This is the fourth installment. Now, by the way, I'm Mike Sainz, the lead pastor here, if I hadn't said that already, and if you didn't know it, and so we're glad to have you. We're delighted to have you here at the harbor. We are in our fourth installment, I believe. Yes, the fourth installment. Palm Sunday, we talked about the core promises of God where we overviewed the four cups that we're talking about, which is the cup of sanctification, um, the cup of deliverance, the cup of restoration or, or re redemption there, and then the cup of praise. But before we get into those, we talked about these core promises mentioned in Exodus chapter 6, and then on Friday night, we talked about the Lamb of God, our Christ, our Passover Lamb. Now, as kind of an added bonus, the entire Good Friday service is online, all of it, music and everything. So everybody who's been... Um, really wanting to hear the praise and worship online, Good Friday service in its entirety is online. So go check that out. Share it with your friends. Listen to it. Get saved. Whatever you need <laughs> in that message, Christ is our Passover lamb. And then Sunday on Easter, we talked about the cup of sanctification. That was the promise that the Lord gave us that said, I will bring you out. So I don't have a full-blown worship brochure with me, but they're on your seat right there. So if you would just take that worship brochure out, uh, it says the harbor, and inside there, there's some notes that talks about today's message, the cup of deliverance. Studies say that you are five times more likely to remember and retain something of the message if you take notes, if you write it down. And so I want to urge you to, to follow along with me, and I'll try to be clear enough to give you the blanks. I know I have not done that well in the past, and y'all just forgive me for that. But uh, here we are. So the core promises of God, there was four core promises. They were listed in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. And I, I just want to read that passage of Scripture as we dive into uh, this message. And I'll do just a quick one-minute cap here, and then we'll just jump right in. Exodus 6 and 6, he says these words here. Therefore... Say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and will free you. So there's the first. He says, I will bring you out. That was the first promise. And then the next is, he says, I will free you from being slaves to them. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. That's the second cup is the promise of deliverance. I will free you. And then I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and a mighty act of judgment or mighty acts of judgment. Next week we will be talking about the promise or the cup of redemption. And to redeem literally means to put back to one's original intent. It's like buying an old 66 uh, uh, convertible Mustang and it's, it's beautiful uh, or it used to be in the pictures it was, but now it's all rusted. You know, the fenders need to be changed. The tires are terrible. The car smokes something horrible. And somebody who's an enthusiast about auto mechanics takes that 66 Mustang and just really goes through it. I mean, they pull the motor. They paint the entire body inside and out. They clean this thing up. And they put back the best engine that they can build. It's painted out. It's beautiful. I mean... 
Uh, you know, the wheels and tires are beautiful. Uh, the calipers are painted. Everything is beautiful, and it is totally restored. They get down to the interior, and they redo the leather, and they redo the dash and everything. In other words, they get through with that, and they look at it and say, Man, this thing has been restored. This thing has been brought back as good or better than when it came from the factory. Are you with me? So that's what we'll be talking about next week. And he says, so I will redeem you. And then the next, the last promise, two weeks from now, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Now, one thing I wanted you to notice was that <clears throat> the first three cups are singular. I mean, they, re, they point to you as an individual and to me as an individual. It says, I will bring you out. Uh, that is sanctification. I will free you. That is deliverance. I will redeem you. Uh, that is restoration. But now this last cup that we'll talk about Sunday after next is, he says, I will fulfill you. It's the cup of praise. You will be happy when you are fulfilled. And you will not be fulfilled until you get, and then this is plural. He said, I will make you as my own people, not person, but as my own people. When you finally reach that place where God wants you to be, and you're hanging out with the people God wants you hanging out with, and you're doing life with people that God wants you to do life with, when you're in the right church, and you're in the right small group, and you're in the right company, you can really do something awesome for the Lord, and that will bring fulfillment to your life. Amen. Give him praise. So, um, you know, so we're going to be talking uh, about these things. And, and just to give you one more um, clip about next week, 87% of people cannot tell you why they exist. That's incredible to me. The 87% of people do not know why they were born or why they are on this earth. Next week, we're going to help you with that. So you need to bring your friend, be here next week. So now, let me say this about sanctification. Uh, I mean, the, the promise that says, I will bring you out. It's a little bit of a mix on words there because um, that it's the promise. It's called the cup of sanctification, but it deals with salvation. Salvation is getting saved. And what Jesus is saying to us is, I, I, right now I'm not trying to fix you. I'm not trying to make you perfect. I'm not trying to uh, make you the greatest church or a great preacher or singer. He said, right now, I just want to get you delivered. I just want to get you out of Egypt. Egypt was a type of sin. It, it's, it represented sin. He said, I just need to get you out. And it's as simple as this. He says, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hello. Those who believe on the Lord shall be saved. He said it's a matter of simply believing. If I believe in him. Romans 10, 9, 10, if I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus that God raised his son from the dead, I shall be saved. So that first cup happens instantly. I mean just... Bam, you believe, and if you truly do believe, you accept Christ in your heart, boom, there you are. You are saved. Now, that would happen in an instant, and the next one's going to take almost a lifetime. It has to do with that cleansing, that cleaning up, and this is where so many people get stuck. They can't ever seem to get out of the cup of deliverance. They can't ever seem to. And by the way, for those of you who are with us maybe for the first time or you did not, or you're not going through this whole thing with us, 
what happened was when they used to take the Lord's Supper, that is Passover, when they, they would um, commemorate that, much like we do communion today, originally they drank four cups. They had four cups and they would talk about the first promise, I will bring you out, and then they would drink a cup. And then they would talk about the next promise that, that I will deliver you. And if they talked about that, they drank that cup. And then I will redeem you. They drank that. And then I will fulfill you. They talked about and rehearsed the promises of God because these are the four core promises of God that encapsulate all promises of holy writ. All of them are within this. So now here's what I need you to know. Because you wait a minute, Pastor Chase, today we're going to talk about being delivered. In other words, that, that, that cup of deliverance which makes me free. I thought that sounds awful similar to the first cup. And it does sound similar to the first cup. Um, but again, the difference being that when you call on the name of the Lord, you get saved, bam, just that quick. But, but after you get saved, God says, I got something, I got something else for you. Now, you've got to understand something. There are two things that, that we need to consider today, and one of them is grace the other is works. And the reason God separated these two cups is because one has nothing to do with the other as it relates to your salvation. You and I didn't do one thing to cause our salvation other than believe. Hello? You didn't have enough money to give to buy it. You don't have enough influence to get it. You don't know enough status people to get it. So let me, let me show it to you this way. Paul said in Ephesians 2 and 8 in the New Living Translation, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Period. God saved you by his grace when you believed. So if you have believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are saved. Now, that being settled, there's other things we got to deal with. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done so that none of us can boast about it. So you ain't good enough, and your daddy and mama's not good enough, and you had not got enough money. I don't care if your name's Rockefeller. None of that can avail you salvation, but you could be the poorest man or woman on this earth and believe with all your heart that God raised his son Jesus from the dead and be saved. So you didn't earn it. You, you, couldn't, you didn't deserve it. And all we had to do was accept it. Salvation happened that moment. Now, notice with me what Philippians chapter 2 says. In Philippians chapter 2 in the New Living Translation, and we'll get the outline in just a moment a little deeper. He says in Philippians 2 and 12, Dear friends, you have always followed my instruction. This is Paul writing to the Philippians. You've always followed my instruction when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Now watch this. Work hard. To show the results of your salvation. Notice, he did not say work for your salvation. You couldn't work long enough to earn it. We, it, it is not a salvation of works. It is a salvation of grace. For we are saved by the grace of God through faith. Are you with me? Say amen. But then Paul says, if you have gotten saved, there will be things that you start doing or things that happen that is a result of you getting saved. Let me give you another example. I could take a seed, or like for me, I like caladiums. Uh, they kind of like to be cool and in the shade, and I kind of like that too. So I take a little bulb, and I stick it down in the dirt, and I plant that. It is planted. It is there. But 
after it gets sunshine and water, all of a sudden, I mean, I planted it, but then something else happened. It begins to work on its own. Well, not on its own. Of course, it's all from God. But it begins to push that dirt up out of the way. It begins to push the grass aside or whatever's in the way. And next thing you know, those long, twisted leaves start to show up, and then they open up. Now, what I'm saying is this, that God brought you and I out of Egypt. Amen. He brought us out. By coming into our heart, when we opened our heart and said, Lord, I accept this. All we had to do is believe and accept it. He said, but because I came in, something else is going to start showing up. And let me say this, just like that Caladium, because I put it in the dirt, something else is going to start happening, and it's going, I mean, it's going to prove that I did put something there. And in your life, there's going to be things that's going to change. And notice what he says. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Watch this. Obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. So someone says, well, I love God. You know, I'm saved. I'm on my way to glory. Well, is there any evidence to convict you of being a Christian? That's just a question. It wasn't even a notes. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So not the power to work hard to get saved, but to work hard because you are saved. Hey, there's a difference. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Remember, salvation happens in an instant. But this cup of deliverance is an ongoing process where God has gotten us out of Egypt. He's gotten us out of this cesspool called the world of sin. He's pulled us out, but yet we're still dealing with things. We got out of Egypt, but Egypt hadn't got completely out of us. You know why? Because we still have old um, carnal desires. Huh? If you used to love to drink every now and then you pass a Budweiser sign, you say, oh, Lord. Huh? If you used to smoke that crazy stuff, you went down through the hood, and you, and you ain't got to be in the hood. You could be in Laurel or wherever else, and you smelt your neighbor over there. <laughs> you was cutting grass, and all of a sudden you say, whoa, man, I remember that smell. Huh? Right? See, some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And then, so you're struggling with these things. I mean, you say, man, I was in church Easter, and I was crying, and I, I love God, and, I, you know, I've changed, and, and that's right, but you are still dealing with this old human flesh and this cup of deliverance. And you say, well, God delivered me out of that, and he did, but it's the devil's job to go about roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, letting you smell this fragrance, letting you see this sign, trying to lure you back into what you've been delivered out of. And then some of us have gotten saved, but then there's still some things we need to be delivered from. Let me tell you, you know our body, it's a complex uh, animal. And I did say animal. Some of y'all are real animals, amen. <laughs> but there's three parts here. There's the body, which is our physical, and our bodies have issues. Look at your neighbor and say, man, our body's got issues. And then we have the soul, which is the will and our emotions. And then we have the spirit, that part of us that is like God. Y'all with me? Let, me? let me break this down if I may real quick. You don't want your body directing your life. You know why? Some of us that eat Krispy Kreme donuts every day. 
Huh? Some of us, we just gorge ourselves. Some of us, we just do horrible things. Why? Because the body said, I like this, man. This feels good. I mean, you might be speeding 120 on a motorcycle or something. And the body says, this is cool, man. You might be eating unhealthy. You might be taking things you shouldn't be taking or doing places, doing things and going places. We see, when the body is in charge, the body don't care what the soul thinks or the spirit. The body says, this feels good, baby, and this is what I'm going to do because I'm in charge. Well, you don't want your soul in charge either because the soul is the seat it's where our will and emotions. And then on, da- on days where things just go to hell in a handbasket. Y'all ever had them days? I, I've, I've had days, man, and you know, there's been days I couldn't hit a note right on the base if I hit every one of them. There's been, a, there's been days where I couldn't spell nothing right when I was writing a message. There's been days when I just couldn't do anything right or, or whatever, and it was just a bad day. And, and if you're having a horrible day, and then, you know, the soul's in charge and says, you know what? You've got such bad news, you might as well just go ahead and kill yourself. And the soul says, well, I'm in charge. I don't care if this is going to hurt the body. Matter of fact, this is going to extinguish the body. I don't care about the spirit trying to lead me, and I don't care what the body said, and the body don't want me to cut it up and stab it and all this. By the way, if you're letting kind of the soul lead, that's kind of where all that cutting and all that stuff comes from because I feel horrible. And and so, anyway, that's a whole other deal. So you don't want your soul directing your life. If the soul's in charge, it says, I'm depressed. I'm going to do my own thing. I'll kill myself. And it don't care what the body thinks or the spirit thinks. But then the spirit man, that is the part of us that is like God. That is the part of us when we said yes. We said yes to God. And God perfected our spirit. And he saved our spirit. That's why he said we are to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, which comes from the body. Are you with me? And that's why he says we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, what our soul sees and how I feel emotionally. He said, I am to be led by the spirit. Let me show this to you. The goal is to get the spirit. You got body, soul, and spirit. The goal is to get the spirit stronger and in better shape than the soul and the body so that the spirit man tells the body and the soul how to live. Give the Lord praise. You want the spirit to influence the body and the soul, and the problem is is many of us have got the body in charge or the soul is in charge. So we're in trouble. So let me, let me try to move on. See, when we get saved, God puts us on a journey, our spirit man. God saves us. We said yes to him. Man, we, in the spirit, boy, we're in the spirit, and we're much like God right there. And God puts our spirit man on a journey, and the body and the soul don't want to go. And we got to tell the body and the soul, get in the car. We're going. Hello? There's times I don't feel like preaching, but the spirit man says, have you ever, uh, sometimes my spirit outruns my body and my flesh. We call the body the flesh, right? Sometimes, you know, the spirit man says, man, you preach three services every day. That's spirit man talking. Flesh man says, whoo, I don't know. <laughs> but the spirit man has to say, get in the car, body. You're going to take this journey with me. Get in the car, soul. You're going to take this journey with me. All right, now look at your notes, if you will. 
Today, I want us to focus on these three cups, and there's actually three, fo- or not three cups, these four cups, but particularly the second one, which is the cup of deliverance. And there are three focuses, and I'll get them quick. The, the first focus is, is victory over sin. Now, let me define sin for you real quick. Sin is basically what I do to myself. Did you know you can't unknowingly sin? Because if you don't know and you're ignorant of it, you just don't know. Paul said, I didn't know about sin until the law said, thou shalt not covet. And then I knew it was wrong to covet. So then it's become sin to me. And then he says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So here's what Romans, I'm going to have to read this quick, Romans 6 and 5 through 14. I'm just going to read it in the New Living Translation real quick. Since we have been united with him in his death, we shall also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might not, or, or excuse me, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Verse 7 said, For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with him, we know that we will also live with him. When we, we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. Verse 10, When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives with the glory of God. Uh, so that you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body be an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right to the glory of God. Sin no longer is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Freedom. That's the cup of deliverance, the promise of freedom. I will free you. And God says you don't have to be bound to sin. But, but, but here's where you and I are going to feel a little bit of consolation because the great apostle Paul who wrote chapter 6 of Romans that I just read also wrote chapter 7. And he says this. He's talking about his struggle. He says, so I find then a law at work. Although I want to do good. That is in my body and soul. Uh, He said, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, that's his spirit, man, I delight in the law of God. But I see another law at work in me, waging against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body What he's saying is my body always wants to get out of the car. I'm on a spiritual journey, and my body wants to stop by the package store. I'm on a spiritual journey, and my body wants to go over here. I'm on a spiritual journey, and my body wants to do this. He says, but who's going to deliver me from this body uh, that is subject to death? Thanks be to God. Who does what? Who delivers me? Who frees me? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. He said, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. What he's saying there is as long as you and I have this body, there will be a struggle between the spirit man wanting to do what is right and the body wanting to do what feels good or whatever I so desire to do. And the soul 
that says, well, I'm just depressed. I think I'll stay in bed for the next four weeks and I won't go to church. I just don't think I'll serve God. You know, the soul does its own thing. But, but Paul says, God delivers me. Okay, enough of that. So in looking at this cup of deliverance, we need victory over sin, and it comes through Jesus Christ. The second, and that was your first blank, victory over sin is what you need. And then the next uh, blank there is we need healing from, here's your word, wounds. If sin is what I do to myself, wounds are what other people do to me. Hello? I have injured myself, but I never have injured myself intentionally. Uh, I broke my thumb on a saw one time, but I didn't mean to do it. You're not going to find me, uh, you know, whacking up my body and, you know, shooting this and that. And I ain't going to do it. If somebody ever tells you that I killed myself, y'all better call the investigators because they lying. Somebody has killed me because I love myself. Hello. So, so wounds is what other people do to you. And, and, and listen, it might be that someone done this to you as a child. You were growing up and you were abused or molested or you were talked to like a dog all your life and that's the only way you know how to talk to anybody anymore. Maybe it was the loss of something significant in your life. Maybe you worked all your life to, to, to build a house and you finally did it and the bank come and took it. Or they can't really take it but they can put you out. Maybe it was a friend that you, maybe they let you down. Maybe they turned their back on you. Perhaps it was a business partner that went into something and, and then they walked out of your life costing you hundreds, if not even thousands and thousands of dollars. And, and, and you don't know what in the world you're going to do. And you cannot seem to get this grudge. You need healing. So in this cup of deliverance, we need victory over sin, but we need healing from our wounds. You see, because I'm telling you it hurts bad when somebody that you really think a lot of hurts you. And it doesn't matter if it's just in your home or if it's in a church or wherever, but, but, but healing from wounds. Oh, here's what you've got to understand about this. If you don't get healing from these wounds, and there are people that don't want healing. You know why? They would rather continue to rub you with a grudge and say, remember back when you did this to me. They would rather have the joy once every six months or two years of throwing something in your face rather than allowing God to heal them and, and deal with it. So healing from wounds, listen, if you don't get healing from this, you'll stay stuck in the second cup and you'll never get to cup three and four. And I'll tell you something, three and four is where you can literally see the world change if you get past cup number two. If you don't get past cup number two, <clears throat> In other words, you are constantly, constantly having to be freed from this and having to be freed from that. I'm going to tell you something. I started serving the Lord as a junior in high school. I've had some setbacks in my life. I've done some things. I'm talking about very temporary things that, you know, I found myself as a young person where I've done things that I ought not do. Are you with me? Say amen. I perhaps drank something that I should not drink. Knowing good and well God didn't approve of it. Daddy didn't approve of it. And, uh, you know, that's just how it was. I'd done my thing. I remember Kelly and I hadn't been married too long, and I took her to work one day, and me and my cousin the night before had decided to go get us some vodka and orange juice. And, man, we just, that was our downfall, I guess. And so we just threw it back. Only time in my life I ever drove drunk. And, man, it's been 30-something years ago, and I told the Lord if I can make it home, I will never, ever, ever drive drunk again. Are y'all with me? Say amen. 
And I kept my word to that. But anyway, I had slid the vodka up underneath my seat and the orange juice up underneath the passenger seat. And I went to pick Kelly up from work the next day. And I come to a, somebody pulled right out in front of me. I slammed on the brake. Water! And what hit my heels was a bottle of vodka. And what hit her heels was a bottle of Tropicana orange juice. And she reached down and said, I thought you didn't do this no more. Y'all with me? See, what, what I'm saying now, I had accepted the Lord, but you know what the Lord did, man? He scolded my behind. You ain't supposed to be doing this. You're going to kill your testimony if not yourself. Yada, yada, and it went on and on and on. And so, uh, guess what? I quit with it. I ain't drank no more. Are you with me? I even felt guilty when I set my parents up one time. We had a family ordeal going on, and I just decided to act the fool with my cousin, and, and we spiked the punch, and I felt bad about it. My mama said, this is the best punch I believe I've ever drank. <laughs> my daddy going back, well, I think I'll have another one of those. <laughs> and uh, we didn't even admit it for another year. But uh, I felt terrible about that because they were partaking and didn't even know it. <laughs> But what I'm saying is this, I got to have victory over sin. And then uh, uh, when I get victory over sin, I got to have healing from my wounds. And listen, if I don't get healing, so, so I said that to say this. God got me out of that. I thank God I never become a full-blown alcoholic. I thank God it didn't get that deep. Uh, I, I just thank the Lord. But listen, if you're constantly into one thing and another and, and you're stuck in that and you ask God to forgive you and he'll forgive you and he'll, he'll do his best to free you, but you've got to want freedom. You've got to want out. And then he can take you to the next cup. But here's the third thing I need you to understand. You're going to have to learn to exercise authority over the enemy. Authority over the enemy. You're not only have your sin, that's what you do to yourself. And your wounds, that's what other people do to you. You, got, you also got a devil that's running around. He hates your guts. A devil wants to, to destroy you. He's trying to do harm to you. See, you got to learn how to take authority over him. Ephesians 6 and 10 says this, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the, his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So listen, Romans 8 and 1 says this. So there is, here's the good part. You got to understand this. If you've asked the Lord to forgive you of something and he's brought you out of it, quit beating yourself up over it. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I did. I used to beat on children. You don't know what I did. I used to, to, to do horrible things. And I know that's horrible. But here's what Jesus said. There's therefore now no condemnation for those that belong to Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That means if there's a change taking place in your life, a change has been wrought in your life, don't continue to wallow around in the fact that you used to be a drug head. Don't continue to wallow around in the fact that you used to be a pimp or whatever it is that you were. Don't wallow around in the fact of your old past life. All that does is give glory to Satan. But rejoice in the freedom wherewith you have been freed. That speaks to the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to get you out. So, 
There's a lot of people who've learned how to fake it. They've learned how, you know, and act like everything's all right. But here's Romans 8 and 5 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. You see, so letting your sinful nature control your life leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your life leads to life and peace. What the Bible is saying is the reason why I get stuck is because of the condemnation that I constantly hear. You know where you get the most condemnation from? Here it is. What, what has the most control over how you think? And then you condemn yourself. The most condemnation and the most influence upon the way you think are the friends you hang out with. And the beauty of it is you get to choose who they are. Those people you hang around with. Let me say this. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. That is a fact. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Here, stand with me if you will. Relationships are the key. Proverbs says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces sin, they find mercy. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sin, he confess to who? You ain't got to confess to me. You can confess it to him. And somebody said, whoo, praise God. He says, confess, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But now this is fixing to catch up to you. James, the brother says, in 5 and 16, therefore, confess your sins to each other. Oh, wow. I thought I was beyond that. Here, let me, let me, let me, let me sort of qualify that remark. You find you a prayer partner, somebody you really trust. But you be careful who you confess your sins to. By all means, you confess them to the Lord. But you be careful who you confess them to in your prayer time. And, and you need a friend that you can. You need a friend that you can say, listen, I've been a bad boy. I've been a bad guy. I've done things I shouldn't have. But you need to make sure they ain't going to run to Twitter. Find yourself somebody that you can trust. And there are a few. Few. Anyway. So you need three associations in order to stay on track with Jesus Christ. And here it is. I'm going to tell you real quick because our closing host is coming. Number one, if you've gotten saved, you need to be baptized in water. Well, Pastor, I didn't bring my clothes. I'm sorry. You still need to get baptized in water. Send somebody home. Get something. But baptism is a testimony that you accepted Jesus Christ in your heart. And we ought to, on the first occasion, get baptized in water to tell our friends. That's the first way you deal with your friends is they need to know that you're not who you used to be. Get baptized in water. Second thing, the next association is identify yourself with a church. Get through H-Track. It ain't got to be H-Track. Go, go, go to Christ Church. Go to Southeast. Go to First Baptist. But get involved in some church somewhere and serve God. next association as our host comes is you need you need to find yourself in a small group you need to find yourself among friends you need to find yourself in a place where you can be honest with yourself and somebody else let's pray father I come to you right now I ask you Lord for those who want to take a step today for those that are battling oh God with this 
cup of deliverance. It's like they're delivered from this, and then lo and behold, that happens. And, and I can't never get to the next cup because I keep falling back in this cup. I'm praying right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, if they need that cup of deliverance to be brought out, grant it today in Jesus' name. Amen.